When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Flag stays down, it does, it goes up in the end as Gosling is cleared off the line anyway, but the flag's already up. Unfortunately, Gosling thought it was in. Was oh. Gosling offside? I'm not sure if he was. And has the ball gone over the line? No, it definitely. All right. Dan Gosling's looking at it on the t- on the big screen here. Now this is a VAR moment, is it? Yeah. It's Graham Scott saying he's got his finger to his ear. He's getting the message. He's picking up the ball, Graham Scott, goal. and he has given the goal. VAR, just when you need it most. Dan Gosling has scored for Bournemouth and Chelsea. Can you believe it? Eddie Howe smiles from ear to ear. Dan Gosling, Chelsea nil, Bournemouth 1. Wow, I could listen to that commentary again and again and again. And I must credit really where I got it from. It's from BBC Radio Solent, of course, the voice of Chris Temple. And you can hear that and see that with AFCB TV. The extended highlights are online. They're uploading a load of new content. So I just thought because it was an extended piece of commentary, I really should say where it came from. Yeah, join AFCB TV for lots of great content. Right, advert over. Hello, Monday morning. You are right? Uh, I am doing really well. Sound a bit hoarse. Saturday night was pretty mad, uh, sinking a fair few pints of punk IPA. Oh my goodness me. 1 0 at Stamford Bridge. My name is Sam Davis. This is episode 70 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. And with me is Jeff Hayward. He is standing by, and we're going to go over all things from Saturday afternoon as Eddie Howe's charges managed to pull off. A result of the day. A bit of a coupon buster, as Neil Perrett said. Uh, No one expected it. The media were saying we couldn't. David Baddiel was predicting Chelsea would tonk us. Did it happen? Of course it didn't. Understrength AFCB came away with a 1-0 win. Thanks to friend of the show, Dan Gosling. I love that man. Anyway, right. Coming up, we've got a full match analysis from the weekend. We've got a Burnley preview. And also... There's this. Do you remember? Do you remember? So yeah, it's another do you remember and we'll look forward to next week as we will be entertaining Burnley, Eddie Howe's former club. It's a it's a period of Eddie Howe's managerial career that the, the media sort of tend to gloss over, really. It's just a footnote in his massive biography of all things Bournemouth, really. But when he did join Burnley, it was pretty bad. Yeah, I wasn't wasn't a happy bunny. I shed a, I shed a few tears, and it was also pretty bad because he he took a few Bournemouth players with him. So the question for this week's Do You Remember is which AFC Bournemouth players did Eddie Howe utilise once he was at Burnley? 
Of course, Charlie Austin isn't one of them. Bournemouth were highly tipped to sign him at one point from Paul Town, but we just didn't have the funds and, well, we couldn't, could we? Um, but no, he's not included. But which AFC Bournemouth fans ended up at Burnley during Eddie Howe's tenure at Turf Moor? We'll give you the answer at the end of the show. Now, this weekend, I'm ashamed to say, full disclosure, wasn't there. Can you believe that the match I don't go to and that happens? I think, I think I've got to stay away. Uh, sadly, I am going to Brighton on the 28th, uh, so fingers crossed. Um, I'll be wearing something lucky instead, perhaps not my lucky jumper, that I uh, did an instant match reaction on YouTube, got a load of comments saying how crap the jumper was, and to be fair, it is awful. But, alas, if you want to watch the match analysis uh, with Jeff, you can go to youtube.com slash AFCB podcast now. But yeah, I was at home watching on a stream, because you're allowed to do that, right? Mm, Yeah, maybe not. Um, And this was my reaction from the day. Oh my goodness, I was one happy bunny. could put my heart rate monitor on now. I think it'd be about 90. Corner, no, not over the first man. It's got three. Oh, Gosling. Jay J- Lerma forward. Oh, that's, you're off. No, it's in. It's in. It's offside. It's offside. Oh, the flag's up. Yeah, I want to know if it was in anyway. He was probably way off. But was it in? Did the referees watch go? I would love this to go to VAR somehow, but I doubt it will. Oh, was he offside? He looked a mile off. No, he was on! Gosling, now did the ball go in? He's onside. And that ball went in! That's VAR, that's going to get given! That's got to get given! VAR checking goal, not being funny, he was onside, Billing took no part. That's got to be a goal. He's able to just... It's got to be. Billing took no part. Dan Gosling, he's onside. He's onside. Oh, my God, this is massive. What's happened? There is no question about that. No question. It's going to get given. Oh, my God, this this would be massive. I mean, I don't even know why I'm worrying. VAR is there to prove these goals right. And that goal was given. That goal was in. How is it taking so long? How? Come on, lads. How is it taking this long? VAR is an absolute joke. At first, I thought it was off. This time, here we go, the Bournemouth fans. You will absolutely love this. He's got the ball in his hands. Guess in! Guess in! Come on, lads! Dan Gosling against Chelsea again. <gasps> Come on, lads. This is massive. This is massive. Now, a massive defensive performance needed. That was really good. Now, he had the first chance when the corner came in and Je- Jefferson Lerma was the one to assist that. Headed ball forward. Dan Gosling, friend of the show. Oh, yes. The referee's watch did go off. 
So, let's do this. Let's do this. Come on, boys. Hold firm. Hold firm. Ugh, so that was a very excitable me from Saturday. It's so cringy listening to that back. Anyway, here are some fans' thoughts. Hey, it's Ross Devonport here from Deerfield Beach, Florida. After a long day, five of us Bournemouth fans got up this morning, left here at about 7am, got down to South Beach for the NBC Sports Premier League Fan Fest down there today. And there was eight total Bournemouth fans, met another couple from Orlando and a lad who was over here on holiday and about 300 Chelsea fans and we obviously left the happier what a victory it was um, we obviously started off reasonably well um, Chelsea played their way back into it dominated the middle part of the game but we knew I think if we hung in there that we'd be able to be able to get perhaps a goal on the break or on a set piece which it ended up being and Listen, VAR is what it is. We had to wait for the celebration and we obviously saw after the goal what that celebration really meant to everybody. The reaction of the players and the reaction of Eddie Howe after the game and really sums up how we've struggled over these last few weeks. 12 players injured. Nobody really expected us to pull this result off. But Stanford Bridge has been a friendly place to us over the last years and what a victory to pull out 1-0. Uh, we'll, this, this, this day I'll be, we'll live in South Florida infamy for years to come. Great win, boys. Well, I'm a very cheerful cherry. I'm still recovering from the shock of it all, really. Now, let's put this game in context. Bournemouth have had... Uh, Bournemouth, at the moment, have more players out injured than any other team in the Premier League. That's a fact. Um, bearing that in mind, um, Eddie Howe virtually put out the only 11 that he could muster that really had experience. This is a day when Bournemouth got their tactics absolutely right. They defended like a man, as if their lives depended on it. Now, there are occasional games where even a better team, and I'd say that Chelsea is, not on a normal day, a better team than Bournemouth by uh, a good way, but you run out of ideas sometimes. You know, you are battering away and you you get you get absolutely nothing. And, you know, you just... And I think that's really what happened to Chelsea. You know, we win a game by... In that sort of game, we win it by one goal and hang on for dear life. Well, that's what we did today. Yeah. We won a game and we've got strong players. So thank you very much. Great to have some different voices on the fans' thoughts this week. We got had Warwick on there. But the first clip was from Ross Devonport. And uh, Ross, of course, in Florida. You can actually see him on one of our latest YouTube videos that we uh, put on. I think it was after the Crystal Palace game. Just go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. So yesterday then, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Jeff... Oh, what fun it is to see the Bournemouth win away, hey? Oh, fantastic. What a brilliant day. Oh, well, I mean, where do we, where do we even begin? Um, I'm, I'm not really sure, but, you know, how, how have your feelings been over the last sort of 
what is it? It's um, about 20 hours uh, since full time. How are you, how are you feeling? A bit emotional. Mm. Um, it, 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 it's like, um, it, that's what we want, Bournemouth fans. We, we're, we're, a, we're a club where we're all in it together. And yesterday it felt like manager, coaches, players, fans, we were all absolutely in there. And I've been on the verge of tears a few times. Yeah. It's been that emotional. It's been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I don't know whether he listens, but Alex Deutsch, um, Cherry's fan on Twitter, uh, last week said that the Premier League has got a little bit monotonous and we as Bournemouth fans should um, grasp the nettle and actually realise that this is what we do best, thriving in such circumstances. And it was one of those matches where no one expected anything other than a Chelsea win. The media were saying it, the pundits were saying it, even Bournemouth fans were saying it. Yet you look at that full-time result, absolutely astounding, wasn't it? Just superb. I was listening to the pre-match build-up and there was a lot of talk about Tammy Abraham licking his lips to play against the back four that he was up against. Um, Chelsea on the back of uh, getting through to the Champions League knockout stages after that win against Lille early in the week. And us... Quite honestly, the injury news got worse when the team sheet got announced because I was expecting to see Harry Wilson and Dan Juma as part of that squad. Uh, I was expecting Harry Wilson to be in the team, to be honest. Mm. But, um, you know, dead leg and a foot injury kept those two out as well. So, geez, you know, it felt like bare bones. Um, the, the most optimistic thing I thought about the team sheet was actually seeing Stanislas on the bench, mm. uh, which I thought was great news. And Har uh, I think Eddie was forced... Um, by those injuries to play a five-man midfield, um, which is what he did, and both Gosling and Cook. And again, I thought it was going to be one or the other, not both of them in that team. And um, genius-inspired decision. Yeah, it was. Now, it's, it, it's actually funny because when the team was announced, I was so eager to put my thoughts on Twitter. I retweeted it and put a comment with it. And I was just looking at that starting eleven, And my assumption was, because I didn't look at the bench, I thought that Dan Juma and Harry Wilson were going to be on the bench. And then I saw a tweet from someone else immediately after I posted mine. And the injury crisis, could it get any worse? And you're thinking, you know, I did like the team that Eddie put out. It was very interesting to say the least. But without that threat of Harry Wilson, I thought, oh my goodness, it's just a, you know, another nail in our coffin for today. However... It was really interesting when I saw that team lineup. I mean, let's go through the side. The back five, let's call it, including Ramsdale, it was expected. Uh, we just wasn't sure which side uh, Chris Mepham and Simon Francis would play in terms of the defence. And then you had this kind of midfield that, according to what they put out on Twitter, they put out that sort of formation. And I swear they do it on purpose, whereby they make it look like we're playing something different. And it was it was a weird one. It was almost like a four one four one, or was it four one two one three six nine? I I don't know, but it was very confusing. But then when they started the game, it was clear that they had a four five one formation. But what what was going on? Four centre midfielders: Gosling, Lerma, Billing, and Cook. I just didn't know how it was going to work. It looked um, it looked great when they started playing because Lewis Cook gave us some real quality on that right-hand side of midfield, which I think we've been lacking. And he was good at looking after the ball. He combined really well with Stacey throughout the game. 
and gave us some good options going forward and was tracking back yeah. and doing his defensive shift as well, which is something we've needed on that right-hand side, particularly when Stacey's been there. We've, we've all felt he's been a little bit vulnerable and exposed at times, but yesterday he provided a real solidity on that side. Hats off, Lewis Cook, because we know that's not your normal position, but you played a blinder. Yeah. Dan Gosling, I thought, played a, a similar sort of role on that left-hand side in front of Rico, um, which, again, was was good when we were in a defensive setup. But then when we were going forward, you could see he was the most advanced midfielder very often. And we've been talking again about it a lot on the podcast where um, I think we've said we're missing his energy, his box-to-box play, and what he gives us as a goal-scoring option from midfield, which the midfield we've been playing over the last, well, since since the season started, aside from Harry Wilson, we haven't scored goals from midfield. So mm. that, I thought, was really important and really notable how he was getting forward. Um, and you saw that in the in very early on in that third minute where we played some lovely football down that left-hand side. And, hey, it energised Fraser to have his out, an outstanding game as well. It was just just a delight how it all came together. It was like the good old days where you see Ryan Fray, Fraser running directly at players and there's been all too many times where he's just not had the room to do so. And I think, in a way, it sort of helps playing teams like Chelsea, teams that come out and attack. When you're playing teams that are very defensive, it's like coming up against a brick wall. But he had a lot of freedom. And... Josh King, who we haven't mentioned yet, how good was it to see him back? And he was instrumental in a lot of the good things. He didn't get on the score sheet and perhaps guilty of, um, you know, doing the wrong thing a couple of times. But his strength, his pace, his awareness, uh, his desire to get back when needed and pick up the ball. Great to see, wasn't it? Fantastic. Josh King, very underrated, I think, in and. In that lone striker role, you needed somebody to play like that, to run really hard, to get the free kicks, to use his physicality, to get in the way of their defenders and to be a pain in the backside to them. And, he, he, you know, Zuma and Rudiger must have felt, God, this bloke, he just never stops. He's always at us. He was a right pest to them all through the game. I thought it was very, he was very unfortunate not to score because the timing of his runs, again, was oh. brilliant. He kept the ball really well. He 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 held it up and played in other players, which I think we've been lacking again in recent weeks. With uh, Callum's touch hasn't been great. Um, it it needed Josh to play a brilliant game, and and for that formation to work, he gave us the breather when we needed it, and was a constant pain in the backside and a threat as well. It's, just superb performance. Yeah, the way that King and Fraser combined reminded me of what Wilson and Fraser did for, for a large part of last season. And we had a lot of early chances. I mean, Fraser had that early shot that sort of fizzed across. The keeper uh, sort of managed to save it and they cleared. Um, Chelsea really fairly limited, really, with the efforts that they had. I think one of their best chances were was where Willian hung up across and Pulisic was on the end of it. But other than that, in the first half at least, obviously there's a moment in the second that, of, of course, we will come on to. But I thought Bournemouth were, you know, were pretty good for that first sort of 15 minutes or so. But then it, it did get a little bit patchy and Chelsea did have a, have a lot of the ball, but no real intent. And that was probably down to how AFC Bournemouth were lined up packing out that midfield. As, as we've said on many a podcast, I thought 
Billing was doing really well with the interceptions. The amount of times he slid and intercepted uh, through balls where Chelsea were trying to play between the lines. Lerma, godlike, superb. And Dan Gosling, just that interceptor, the, the, the annoyance in the middle of the pitch. And it was all working so well, wasn't it? I thought the the combination of Billing and Lerma um, as defensive blocks in front of our back four was they were they were outstanding too. I, Lerma was called out by Alan Shearer on match of the day, which I urge any Bournemouth fan who hasn't seen. I mean, you've probably all seen it about ten times already, like me. But it, it's great to see him called out because we know what a rock he is in the middle. He was fantastic in terms of interceptions, winning the ball back. But also his distribution. He was giving some great passes, getting us moving in the right direction. It was it was superb to watch. And Billing as well. How many times did Billing win a header mm. at the near post? Oh yeah, those corners. So many times. I mean, so many times. It was fantastic to see. That, that that's what he gives us in defensive solidity from set pieces, um, but also. Um, the way I think he led the game with nine interceptions I read somewhere for yesterday you know it's the most interceptions of any player in the entire game he was superb um, and where where we um, have had issues about just being a defensive midfield setup what Gosling and Cook gave us were outlets that could be central and drifting out to uh, the flanks but also going forward as well they were just able to quicken up the pace so that Billing and Lerma would win it, stop the ball, um, stop Chelsea playing through us and give the ball um, either quickly forward from Lerma most notably, but Billing would give it to Gosling or to Cook and they'd take the pressure off being creative, which was Mm. just superb to watch. Can I also say one of the most notable things in that entire game, Mm. how many times did Rudiger and Zuma try and play a cross-field long ball, which has caught us out the last few games, they overhit it, or it was right down the throat of um, Francis uh, and Metham. Uh, I mean, you could see we'd practiced it. Yeah, you know, that's right. we we gave the ball to their centre halves. They couldn't play through the midfield like they wanted to, and that just made our job so much easier. Keep keep your shape, guys, which they did. Compete really hard, which they did, and uh, stop that midfield. Uh, Jorginho and Mount, I mean, they were pretty invisible. Mm. Mount had that one good effort in the first half. Yeah. Uh, but again, when they did get through, Rambo, what what a performance from him as well. Yeah, absolutely superb. And just as you say to Lewis Cook, I was out last night. As, as people on YouTube may see, I'm on the water today because I did, <laughs> I, I did over-celebrate last night in Ashley Cross. And uh, yeah, I've been feeling it slightly today. But he was, I was chatting to um, an, a Bournemouth fan called Dan King, if you're listening. Hi, Dan, uh, or watching that is. And he said uh, for Leeds, Lewis Cook played uh, a, a number of times on the left-hand side. So... You know, he was on the right and I thought he he adapted so well to that, you know, position. But over on the other side, Fraser, um, at what, out of, you know, a rating of zero to ten, what was your level on the concernometer when he pulled up after about 15 minutes? Because I thought, oh, my goodness, is, is this another one? Yeah, that was a nine for me. I'm really worried because that looked quite serious. He got a bit of a, a tap from behind, fell awkwardly and that. That can be a um, could have been a cartilage problem, mm. could have been just a twisted knee issue, and it could easily have been going off. And, and quite honestly, 
that we needed Fraser to be playing as he was playing mm. in those in that first half. So so relieved when he he uh, he got up. Hope he's all right for the next week because on a performance like that, Ryan Fraser. That's the man. That is yeah. the wee man that we know and love. In terms of Harry Wilson, uh, what was he? Was it was a dead leg that he had. I mean, you know, back in my day, it was just rub some deep, deep heat on it and carry on. But I mean, is that enough to keep someone out? Obviously, well, it's, it's got to be. I mean, obviously, they're a lot more precious, Sam, than than you and I were back in the day. <laughs> um, Maybe. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know what the truth is in it. A dead leg, you'd think. Well, that's not that serious. Maybe he should play. But. Um, yeah, we'll come on to next week. Who are you going to drop to bring him back in? I don't know. After that performance. Yeah, that's right. So at half-time, some Chelsea fans were saying it's the worst half of football they've witnessed at Stamford Bridge this season, which was something I said on an earlier YouTube video, actually. But I think it's the way we nullified them that actually made that the you know the case. I think, yeah, there, there were some individual errors there, but um, oh, I just thought we were incredible. And it carried on. Good to see some momentum. We we ended the first half relatively strongly. And in the second, there was an opportunity on about 50 minutes where Ryan Fraser put Josh King through. He took a bit of a heavy touch that took him a bit out to the left. And, I mean, I think he could have won that foot race. If he got the touch right, it had been one-on-one. -on -one, and I would trust him to slot that. But out to the left. And then um, he cut in. And Lewis Cook was gagging for it. He was, he was, he was really wanting it. But yeah. um, Josh King, in a way, we need strikers to be selfish, and you know that's what Dom Solanke I think lacks a little bit of selfishness at times. He probably did the right thing. Uh, he needed a goal. Um, it was his first match in in quite a while, and he he is our he's so potent up front, and he trusts himself to score that. Obviously, Chelsea got back and blocked it, but Lewis Cook must have been thinking, why didn't you square it? Yeah, I, I watched that back again, and um, it, hey, let's congratulate uh, Josh for the run. Brilliant timing of the run. You know, it was a bad touch, but it, you know, crikey, he hasn't played for four weeks. Yeah, I think the sh the shift that he put in was monumental yesterday to play seventy odd minutes um, against Chelsea away, lead the line as a one man, um, one man wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> which he pretty much was, was just um, astonishing. Um, okay, you know there was there was um, there was a time again, brilliant timing of the run, yeah. and Zuma cuts across and makes a a, a good tackle. We think mm, just take that slightly earlier, Josh, but um, he didn't. Yeah, but again, he was getting into those places. He was making those runs times. for the midfield, yeah. um, and then. A bit later, um, he gets the ball and uh, squares it inches, inches. I keep watching it and I can't think. I can't quite see how Gosling does miss it mm. when he when he puts it across for him. Um, but a, but fantastic running again and the energy and that m ability to stretch the play for us was superb. Isn't it really superb? Is it so nice to see a midfielder getting in the positions that Dan Gosling he's never shy of a goal and he never puts in less than 100% and yeah he's not he's not the best footballer in the world in terms of career. he's no Lewis Cook he's not nimble he can't do silky turns but what he does do he does well but he's that box to box player he's got so much um you know aggression and desire and the fact that he got in that position gave me gave me a lot of uh, hope and we started to almost it felt like we were almost turning the screw on Chelsea a little bit didn't it yeah what gosling gives us is is that um 
that energy that I think we've been lacking. We've talked a lot about dynamism, yeah. and a few weeks ago we said that Gosling's the answer, but some somebody on Twitter said, "Well, what's the question if he's the answer?" And I think <laughs> you, you saw that yesterday. He just he just brings so much energy to the team. It's infectious. Mm. Um, it wasn't just him either. I, th- I think I think Lewis Cook was part of that as well. You know, it lifted other players. They could see that that um, dynamism out there. They could see that that people not giving up, people chasing down the ball, people m- making that extra effort. Um, and, and it was, it was, it was totally infectious, made everybody else play better, lift the game. Suddenly, after half-time, to be in the game at half-time was really important. Yeah. Because second half, we knew that Chelsea would come at us, and they did for that first sort of 10, 15 minutes, but we, we gradually absorbed that pressure started hitting them on the counter as we talked about and with that you could sense the belief in the side growing and growing we were we were fizzing the ball better and we were keeping hold of it better we didn't look in too much trouble so Mm. the belief that has been missing the last five games suddenly started coming back everybody felt it it was terrific to watch so um i've got a rough running order but something that i'm not too sure of that incredible ramsdale save was that after or before the goal so that was before the goal in fact i think that was the the turning point um bit of pinball in the area um the ball flies across to emerson who's unmarked from about three yards out and fortunately he heads it pretty much straight Straight, at rambo but But it was point blank and uh, great reactions. Not just the initial save, but he punches it away yeah. on the rebound. Brilliant. Which, brilliant goalkeeping. Brilliant goalkeeping. Yeah, uh, that that was a game changer, really. I mean, I've seen I've seen headers like that at keepers before, where it's been. I mean, it was such a powerful header, and I've seen them, um, you know, get their hands all wrong, butterfingers, it goes straight into the back of the net because it had that much power. You could have maybe forgiven him had it gone in. Because it was such close range and such power. But to do that and then get that strong wrist to almost like palm it away, phenomenal. And then Bournemouth go and win a corner, Jeff. And, uh, you know, I've said on YouTube, I didn't go this weekend. And you know what? I'm starting to think certain away games, um, well, away games are maybe not for me. Uh, But (laughs) I'll be doing Brighton. So I apologise in advance to all Cherries fans. And I will see you there, of course. Um, See you there. But... um, we win a corner and, uh, you know, Dan Gosling has an effort on goal, which is you know, partially cleared, hacked away. Lerma heads back in. Dan Gosling, no one around him. Um, and, you know, he's not, he was never going to do an overhead scissor kick, but great control. And then that shot, I could see it was in straight away. And then the flag went up and even Dan Gosling didn't think it was a goal. Mm, it was uh, a puzzling series of events to watch. Um, I'm a huge fan of VAR. I love it. <laughs> yeah, right. I love yeah. it. I, I love it when it's used properly. Mm. And that's how it should be used. It was... Um, I Actually, let's just rewind a little bit because the move up to the corner, I think, deserves some credit. Yeah. We had Stacey, Lewis Cook and um, Ryan Fraser overloading on that flank nice, yeah, good to which see. is something that you I think you can tell when he's enjoying the game when he's on fire because he does that and that's a good sign that the team is playing well 
Great ball in from Stacey. Solanke nearly gets there, which again, I thought Solanke, when he came on, kept up that momentum for us. Some good touches, looked in decent nick. Um, so the corner comes over. It's an assist for Lerma with a head back yeah, is, as yeah. well, which, which was fantastic. The way Gosling just looks across the line, he knows he's onside when that ball comes into him. The awareness of... I still don't figure out how he knew mm. that the goalkeeper was behind him because that's such an instinctive thing that he did. He, it was fantastic. If that had been Ronaldo, we'd be talking about that as being one of the great goals of the season. Mm. And I think the only reason we're not going to be talking about it as a great goal of the season, well, there are two reasons. It's Gosling. The second, the net didn't ripple. You know, no. It's one of those that goes over the line. There's always a bit of an anti-climax when you're thinking, did he clear it, didn't he? Yeah. And you look, at, you look at the ball go over the line, you think, oh, that's a good goal. But if it falls into the back of the net like that, you'd think, wow, what a goal, that's superb. Mm. But the VAR uh, call um, was correct it was it was billing it was offside not interfering with play so that's fine um gosling is comfortably he's he's at least well he's more than an armpit onside let's say um and that's brilliant and brilliant finish the and then the pause i mean it was funny because at the time i thought maybe it's offside maybe it is offside i could tell it was in straight away couldn't quite see the ref uh, look at his watch as they as they tend to do but from another angle you can see the referee so i knew the ball was in and it was just seeing the offside now i was watching the replays first replay could tell within about 10 seconds var takes ages i don't know if they were drawing lines or doing a bit of hangman or whatever drawing lines across the pitch but my goodness me it took so long but even during that I was still doubting that they would give it for some reason. I just thought, oh, you know, VAR, it's been, it's been used um, in many funny ways this season. And I thought, I don't know, I just had a funny feeling. But yeah, it was clearly a goal. And it didn't kill the celebration, really, did it? Because Dan Gosling, so good to see all the players running up to the shed end. All the Bournemouth fans there. Ryan Fraser, how nice was it to see a smile on his face? Dom Solanke, everyone together as one. And it was like the Bournemouth of old, wasn't it? What a moment for those Cherries fans in the shed end there. Totally. And if you were there, I mean, wow, you you got to enjoy that. I mean, the whole afternoon, you could hear the Bournemouth fans throughout the game we we dominated Stamford Bridge in so many ways. On the pitch, off the pitch, we were all over them. And it was brilliant. It, it almost felt the suspense made it just that yeah. bit sweeter. Um, and I, 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 wish I, I wish I'd been there. I thought about going a few weeks ago and then thought... Oh, yeah, and I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't get there, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's one of them that you kind of... Yeah, you look back at it and think, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's good that I didn't go because if, if I had it, it would have probably been so different. <laughs> um, I've got to play you this clip, Jeff. This is um, Garth Crooks on Match of the Day and I just want your opinion on what he says here. Have a listen. At the end of the game, Garth, we saw Cesar Azpilicueta, mm. who seemed to be moaning at the referee and the assistant. Why do you think he's moaning? He, was, he wasn't moaning, he was furious. And I think he has a case. When the linesman puts his flag up, Chelsea stop. And the linesman keeps his flag up for the phase of play, then continues. Gosling scores a goal. And the moment the Gosling, the ball leaves Gosling's foot, Gosling knows instinctively it's over the line. Raises his hand, but the game stopped. 
the players think it's stopped for offside. VAR gets involved and realises that the, there's no offside, the, refer, the linesman's got it wrong, and the ball is, in fact, over the line. Therefore, the referees have given the goal. But it would appear, because the linesman has made a mistake, Chelsea have been penalised. He's flagged wrongly, but that's not Chelsea's fault. They've stopped, and that's why he's complaining. Is that him trying to be controversial for the sake of having something to say? I mean, I notice he, he never does match of the day anymore. He doesn't do football focus. He's on that show that no one really watches because everyone else is watching Sky Sports Gillette, Soccer Saturday or BT Sports Score or whatever. He's, um, he's there trapped on, on BBC One on the red button. Is he, um, is he just saying that? Because that, you know the ball was in the net at the time that the linesman was flagging and the Chelsea player was trying to clear it anyway. What do you think about that comment? Uh, I think it betrays that uh, Garth Crooks is yesterday's pundit, mm. honestly. Um, he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. There's a lot of ignorance out there. Yeah. Um, you've, got to say and... that the, you've got to say that the Sheffield United goal uh, that was scored the other week um, was actually more contentious. Was that against Sorry, uh, Newcastle United when Shelby scored at yeah. Sheffield United? That was more contentious because everyone did seemingly stop and he put it in the back of the net thinking, well, I might as well do it anyway. But there was none of that with this goal. He's just, he's just being a bit of a prat, isn't he? He's being a complete... Um, he, he he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, I'd like to also call out, there was a writer who uh, had a piece in the newspaper that I read on Friday, a big feature about us, which I, 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 um, I, no, I'm not even going to name the newspaper because it's just an embarrassing article. Yep. What we face as Bournemouth fans is a lot of ignorance. We face a lot of um, people who favour the big six mm. not calling you out on this Garth but I think you probably just wanted to look good in front of Chelsea fans because you think oh they're the majority yep. of people watching this and interested so I'll do something to boost my cred in front of the majority you know it's playing to a populist agenda yeah. <laughs> who does that um, <laughs> but you know <laughs> you know what I mean it's it's like we're 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 seen as the team that should just turn up and roll over and um when decisions go against big clubs and in our favour through something like VAR, it's very difficult for a lot of people to take. Mm. But there was nothing wrong with that. The Chelsea yeah, players did not nothing. stop playing. Aspilicueta, who allegedly was the one moaning most about that, he was busting a gut to clear that off the line. Mm. He didn't stop playing. He's talking... Uh, from a position that is close to a backside. Yeah, I completely agree. So we, we finished the match with exactly the same side that started it, barring Josh King. Uh, Solanke obviously came on now. Josh King rolled off the pitch. Uh, we, have we any idea on the severity of his injury? Not that I've seen. Eddie talks about it, saying hopefully it's not that serious. Um, that's all I've found online. Fingers crossed it's not, because um, we absolutely will need him next week. And in fact, for the Christmas fixtures, um, after yesterday, we need to remember where where we have just come from. Yeah. Five defeats. But it will be really interesting to see how we keep that momentum going for the next three games, which are all games we can get points from. Yeah, 
No, that's right. And uh, before we talk about the celebrations of full time, I also just wanted to say that I, I just loved that little Dan Gosling. I think Chelsea were about to attack and Dan Gosling got booked. He tugged his, um, his opposition marker back. And when the referee gave the booking, he just gave a thumbs up like, yep, absolutely fine. He knew what he was doing. And I love that kind of shit. How's he? He's, he's, oh. He is a friend of the show and I love him to pieces. Um, and... You know, the BBC have actually given him man of the match. Um, he had more attempts on goal than any other Bournemouth player and made several key passes. And I wouldn't be surprised. You know, you, we've always seen those stats. So I haven't seen as much of these stats uh, this season as you have on previous. But he's always the player that has ran the most out of everyone. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's up there again. I would love to see the stats on that. But yeah. Yeah, no. He did, he did. He ran the most yesterday. I oh, saw he that. He did. Yeah. Oh, absolutely superb. And the celebrations, Jeff, 95 minutes gone. I mean, you know, I was begging the ref to blow the whistle. He, he played an extra 10, 15 seconds. But Eddie Howe, you could see the relief, the joy yeah. uh, running through, coursing through his veins. He stood on the spot and he just yelled a massive sigh of relief. He needed that. Well, everyone needed it, didn't they? They did. It it was brilliant to see not just um, the release of emotion mm. for me in this house or for you and you, you where you were watching the game, but yeah. also I think the the players, you know, the the sense of yes, we can do it, and I felt I felt a lot for Eddie. We've questioned Eddie, not us per well, actually, yeah, you know, we've questioned his decision making. He, he he's held his hand up to say mm. he's not at the greatest last five games, and um, he um, he's felt under pressure. The Premier League is a pressure cooker. People calling for your resignation after a game. You know, there's there's uh, you know Frank Lampard's getting called out to be sacked already yeah. after after what what he's done for Chelsea already this season. Bizarre. It's bonkers. So um, there's a lot of pressure. He got it 100% right yesterday. Mm. He might not have had a lot of choice in that 11 that he put on the pitch, but he got it 100% right. The players delivered for him. And it, and I think that's the most important part of his coaching. He set them up in the right way, but it was the attitude was superb yesterday. It was absolutely what he would have asked for. And no wonder he went, yes. And if you... You see the videos that uh, they've put out there of, mm. of them going over to the fans where Eddie is screaming, get yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's what it means. That's and what it matters. Absolutely love all that emotion. And Steve Fletcher also, um, you know, punching the air. And you know what, Jeff? I've just noticed in our, in our chat so far, and this is, um, you know, there are a number of players that we've not even mentioned, and that's how good they were um, to their credit. So let's just briefly talk about our defence. Uh, we haven't, I've, you know, I don't even think we've mentioned Simon Francis's name yet at all. And much maligned, but he pulled out a really good performance. And his pairing with Mepham wasn't bad at all, was it? Those two did really well. They were brilliant. Um, who'd have thought we'd be saying that about Frano after that Wolves game? <laughs> Here we are. Here we are, what, three games later? Mm. And... He was he was commanding. He was the leader. He was the, the the big guy winning those aerial battles. He had 
um, a lot of the talking across that back four, you could tell he was the one sort of the experienced player there for Metham, and Metham was terrific. Mm. The number of blocks he put in, the number of blocks Freno put in, the confidence that gave to Stacey and to Rico, the whole the whole unit. It was. I mean, how, how is Ake going to get back in that team? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> you start to wonder. You know, can it can it happen? So I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Well, it's going to be out for six weeks. And obviously, uh, this week, there have been uh, reports that uh, this this buyback clause for Chelsea is still in place. And, you know, maybe after that performance on Saturday, maybe Chelsea are thinking, you know what, we could deal with him back. And you kind of think about it, like, even if they didn't want him, why would you not buy him back? Because you could, 40 million, whatever it is, you know, sell him the next day for 70 or whatever. Um be a fool not to, but I, uh, you know, the same week Nathan Ake also uh, talks to the Daily Echo and says that how happy he, he is here. Uh, Man City, I know, are sort of maybe thinking about it, but Pep Guardiola has distanced himself from it. Um, do you think we're going to see him in a Bournemouth shirt again? I would hope so. It feels a bit weird to say this, but maybe the best thing that could have happened was the hamstring injury mm. because it's going to get him out of the limelight. It's going to get him off the the kind of regular yeah. sort of people reviewing matches and seeing how good he is is and and if we continue to play like that as a as a defense well that's great people forget about Ake hopefully hopefully what we did as well for Chelsea yesterday was we made them think actually the priority is going forward not at the yeah. back yeah that's right <laughs> so yeah. it's um I, you know Bournemouth have recently not had a great track record in terms of currently gauging the amount of time that players are going to be out for David Brooks obviously we'll allude to him as being the one where we thought he would be back in a red and black shirt by now and it's going to be a couple of months more one or two months more maybe which is uh, I think someone said March at one point you think are we gonna are we gonna see him back? So you kind of think, well, hopefully they've got it wrong again, and he can be out for a little bit longer. And but I did see him training with Steve Cook in the gym. Steve Cook on Instagram posted a posted a picture, and part of me's thinking, you know what, Nathan, just tear it a little bit more, just tear it a little bit more, and because we've shown that despite the fact they are much maligned, Chris Meppham. And Simon Francis, they did a really good job yesterday against some very decent players for Chelsea. Uh, they are a very attacking side. Uh, I thought they coped really well, as did Jack Stacey as well on that right hand side. I thought again, we'll just uh, we'll just touch on him. I thought he did really well. We've been critical again of Stacey recently, but he he played really well. He was a he was great going forwards, which I think is one of his big strengths. Uh, he had one sort of dicey slice clearance in the first half that sort oh, yes. of volleyed, volleyed over the bar, which was a little bit nervy. But uh, but apart from that, he made some great blocks. He was looking after Pulisic, for mm. heaven's sake, who is, who is a quality player, but didn't give him a sniff. There was there was one header at the back post all game where you felt, oh, that's, you know, that was Pulisic's only mm. effort. But frankly, I, th- I think... I think we sometimes we sometimes expect the back four to um, be too much on their own, um, you know, like it's Rico's performance or um, Stacey's performance. But it's it is about the support they're getting from inside and the support they're getting from the midfield as well. And the the sort of 
nine-man midfield and defence if unit yesterday was terrific. Sometimes even Josh King was back in our own half doing that. So we we kept a really good shape, which made everybody's job right back and left back because Rico played well as well. He had a fine game against yeah. William, I thought. Um, we we were good. We were solid. We were defensively very very disciplined and won everything that we really needed to. How, how many shots on goal did Chelsea have in that entire game that actually Rambo was called in to yeah, make true, the save? True. What? Less than five, wasn't it? Mm. It wasn't many. Yeah, good point. Good point. I mean, well, a pleasing day all round, Jeff. Gotta say, and it's just so nice to be able to speak to you in, uh, in, more, in more positive circumstances again. Hi, I'm Dan Goslin, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So next weekend at the Vitality, AOC Bournemouth will be entertaining Burnley and a really interesting encounter. I think it's going to be a hell of a lot different to what we experienced at the weekend. But Jeff, you um, you watched a bit of Burnley, didn't you? Because they, they beat Newcastle 1-0 at the weekend. What are you expecting? We know what we're getting with Burnley. A very tough team who I think have done pretty well against us at the Vitality uh, last couple of seasons. Um, They beat us last season, as I remember. Um, They're awkward, they're big, they're physical. they got um, a big bloke up front. They do play that long ball and and, um, set-piece game really well. Um, They're going to be tough. Um, I think also perhaps the, the sort of history between Eddie and Burnley complicates things in not a good way. I think Sean Dyche, I would... Well, who wouldn't like to experience a Sean Dyche team talk? Mm. I would I would imagine he gives the this guy used to be the Burnley manager card and plays that quite strongly and says, this is for the pride of the, the town that you've got to do this. So, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a tough one. Um, and I think what Burnley did last season... Uh, was they sat back and hit us on the break a bit. Um, so be interesting after our performance against Chelsea, quite the game, the shape that we play. Not quite sure what to expect, if I'm honest. Yeah. Jeff, in terms of AFC Bournemouth, what team would you like to see? Because it looks like Harry Wilson's going to be back. He's coy as ever, so you never quite know. Um, it's a difficult one because they're going to line up very different to what it was against Chelsea. Chelsea, of course, um, they're a very offensive side, like to flow forward and, you know, they can transition very quickly from defence into attack. Whereas Burnley, um, a lot more resolute, structured, well-drilled. They'll have a, a real rigid lineup, And I just fear it's going to be one of those matches where we really struggle to to break through. So what, what team formation do we do? Because does this warrant a five across the midfield again? No. Um, if I was going to move anybody out of the side, and I don't really want to do this because he'll be useful for set pieces, I'd be inclined to rest Phil Billing, mm. put him on the bench. I'd play Gosling and Lerma in that central uh, twin axis of midfield. Mm. I'd play Lewis Cook still on the right. Yeah. And I'd play Harry Wilson 
just in front of um, Gosling and Lerma. Mm. I think that's what I'd do because I think that will give us a bit more creative edge going up front. Yeah. And if we're if we're going to have more of the ball, I think uh, we're going to need Harry Wilson in the in the starting eleven. I think also um, Harry Wilson on. Uh, just the flank, let's say, he picks him and plays him where Lewis Cook played mm. last week. Well, mm, yeah, that that physicality that Burnley have, I'd be uncomfortable about him having that wing-back kind of role mm. or winger sort of role. So, yeah, that's what I'd be inclined to do. Yeah, very tough. In a, it's um, Burnley are now an established Premier League side, aren't they? They're, they're not a team that you would think are going to be in the relegation dogfight. And credit to Sean Dyche, um, you know, for keeping them where they are. But I think I think you're right. There is always that kind of, I need to get one over the previous manager. So there, there is a little incentive there. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, Eddie Howe does the reverse for his Bournemouth side when he's wanting to get one over them. Maybe he doesn't tell the players that, but for him, I think it's vitally important. When we won 2 1 there a couple of seasons ago, I can't, was it last season or season? I can't remember. Anyway, um, you could see he was absolutely jubilant with getting that result. So, um, what's going to happen then, Jeff? What's gonna, are we going to win it? Well, the the way Burnley have played their last uh, couple of away fixtures, they were heavily beaten by Spurs, mm. um, which is kind of encouraging. They've been a, probably a bit more inconsistent this season uh, than in previous years. So on the momentum that we've got from beating Chelsea and Newcastle were without a couple of players yeah. um, when they when they lost to Burnley last week. So... I'd say we're in slightly better mental shape now than we were. And if we get the first goal, I think this could be a a good home win for us. So you're going to ask for a score, aren't you? Yeah, of course I am. (laughs) I would go for... Let's go for a 2-0 win. 2-0. I'm going to go for... oh. Is it, there's a danger of being optimistic, isn't there? Um, overly optimistic after that. I'm going to just go for a 1 0. We're just going to grind out another 1 0. Fingers crossed, anyway. Whether it is going to be that, who knows? Eddie surprised us against Chelsea, and he'll probably surprise us again by, you know, perhaps he'll play Arta Boric right back and Travers left back. Who knows? We, we just don't know. <laughs> um, Jeff, once again, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Sam. Really enjoyed this one. Yeah, fingers crossed. It'll be three points. Up the cherries. Up the cherries. So just a reminder that after the Burnley game, we'll be outside the 1910 bar doing some interviews just on the other side of the fence there. So would really uh, like it if you could come along and, hey, don't just put your opinion on Twitter or Facebook. Come along and give some off-the-cuff reaction. Would really appreciate it if you can to get some new faces along, meet some new people. And I'm very, very lonely. No, I'm not really, but I just it's really good to get some new people on for some accountable, instant opinions. We're really pleased with the way the channel's going at the moment on YouTube and the podcast as well. The numbers are really good, but the amount of time we're spending on it at the moment is I'm doing a little bit too much and sacrificing work time a little bit. So um, 
we've come up with a little thing. Uh, you can do it if you if you want to. If you go to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee, um, if you appreciate what we do, uh, you can buy us a coffee. It's um it's all secure. It's um it's done with a company called Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, very good. Just go to afcbpodcast.com forward slash coffee. And um, if you appreciate what we do, well, it's, it's just sort of good to know that um, we've got the support going forward. I'm not going to ram it down your throat, but I'll say it one more time. AFCBpodcast.com slash coffee. Um, and yeah, thank you for all the positive comments that we've been having on this channel. And uh, it's been it's been so good so far to get, um, you know, other fans involved, uh, different people on the fans thoughts and stuff. And if we could complement that with uh, some new people on the YouTube channel after games as well, that would be really appreciated. So hopefully after getting three points, fingers crossed, we'll see you there. So then, that just about wraps up another AFCB podcast. Uh, we're up to number 70, so it'll be 71 next week. And fingers crossed, yeah, as we said, can we get one over Sean Dice? They're, they're always a really difficult team to play against, but we'll do our best. But of course, the Burnley connection. Do you remember Eddie Howe, of course, was manager there 2011-2012. And we asked you which ex-AFC Bournemouth players he signed Uh, under his tenure. Now, this one's a little bit complicated, but any of the following names we will probably accept. Well, Marvin Bartley, of course. He signed Marvin for about 400,000. That was directly from AFC Bournemouth. Um, Some good business for them, good business for us, really. Danny Ings, of course, uh, signed uh, for a million. Uh, John Stewart, the goalkeeper. Do you remember him? Uh, Yeah, that's another name as well. And also... um, Jack Cork as well. Now, he wasn't signed directly from Bournemouth, but, of course, he was an ex-AFCB player uh, that was on loan with us. So we'll give you that as well if you've got his name on your list. He also signed Josh McCoy, of course, Bournemouth player, who at the time was at Millwall, and also Sam Vokes. They signed him from Wolves, but, of course, an ex-AFCB player too. Um, Unfortunately... If you named any of the following, you will not have passed the test. So Gareth O'Connor, John Spicer, Ian Cox, Wade Elliott. Those players were actually already there um, by the time that Eddie Howe... Uh, I mean, Gareth O'Connor, for instance, so, you know, that was in the... God, when was that? That was like the mid-noughties, wasn't it? And uh, John Spicer too. But of course, Eddie Howe joined Burnley in 2011. And also, I mean, bonus point if you get this, uh, Zavon Hines... Um, he was on loan at Bournemouth and, and went back to Burnley. So if you want to be tenuous, you can name him. But yeah, just just thought it'd be interesting to throw some different names out there as part of our Do You Remember? Well, hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast and hey, maybe you'll enjoy next week's one too. We'll see you next Monday at 7am or outside the Vitality for YouTube stuff. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. The flag stays down, it does, it goes up in the end as Gosling is cleared off the line anyway, but the flag's already up.
Unfortunately, Gosling thought it was in. Oh. Was Gosling offside? I'm not sure if he was. And has the ball gone over the line? No, it definitely all right. Dan Gosling's looking at it on the on the big screen here. Now this is a VAR moment, is it? It's yeah. Graham Scott saying he's got his finger to his ear. He's getting the message. He's picking up the ball, Graham Scott, goal. and he has given the goal. VAR, just when you need it most. Dan Gosling has scored for Bournemouth and Chelsea. Can you believe it? Eddie Howe smiles from ear to ear. Dan Gosling, Chelsea nil, Bournemouth one. Podcast Network.